Welcome to the Woodland Heights Baptist Church Sunday Talks podcast. Sunday Talks is a weekly roundtable discussion about theological and cultural topics. For more information and show notes, visit whbcconway.org forward slash Sunday Talks. Here's your host, Pastor Larry White. Well, hey, welcome to Sunday Talks. This is our uh, Sunday night version of how we do church now, Dr. Talbert, in, yeah. the, in the new COVID world. Yeah. And so this has been a real uh, big thing for our church, and this is a new season. Last week we had uh, a New Orleans graduate, Dr. David Bond, David Bond, who's also been the interim pastor of our church. And today we have somebody else who's big and a big impact in my life, uh, uh one of the main reasons that I have a doctorate from the seminary is because of Dr. Mark Talbert, and uh, he is the uh, uh, director of the Caskey Center for Church Excellence, professor of uh, past uh, past of uh, preaching and pastoral ministry. pastoral ministry. I can get it out. There's a lot of P's in there, <laughs> and uh, he's married to Joy and has two children and mm-hmm. five grandchildren. Those are the most important things. Amen. Right? That's right. Amen. That's right. We're going to talk about uh, some of the things related to what you do here and uh, your ministry. I think it's very exciting, and if you, in fact, this is my first time in this new office, new to me, but if you're ever in New Orleans Seminary, you'd come up here and check this out. Tell us about Caskey Center. I mean, if you're if you're on this campus, as we just said, everybody here knows what Caskey Center for Church Excellence is, what it's about, how it got started, but probably outside of this campus and even Southern Baptist Convention, a lot of people don't know. Right. So. What is Caskey? So the Caskey Center for Church Excellence was started in the spring of 2014, so about seven and a half years ago. Uh, I came here 15 years ago to teach from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I was pastoring a wonderful church and was near my family, near my children and grandchildren. We had a lovely home with a pool in our backyard, (laughs) and uh, life was just wonderful. I'd done some teaching for New Orleans Seminary starting in 1999. Uh, and so this was 2005, and I thought they were calling to ask me to come teach a workshop, but they said, no, we actually want you to come on faculty and teach. And at that time, it was to direct the Doctor of Ministry program, the mm-hmm. DMIN program. That's how I got to know right, you. Right. Uh, and I did that for seven years and loved everything about it. And then in the spring of 2014, uh, the Caskey Center was established. So what is that? There was a pastor in Louisiana years ago, many years ago, named Steve Caskey, C-A-S-K-E-Y, not casket, but Caskey. <laughs> no one had ever heard of this man. He was a small church, bivocational farmer, preacher. I uh, loved the Lord, uh, loved God's Word, and uh, was going to our state Baptist college, Louisiana College, <laughs> and was just not able to graduate because he just didn't have the money. <laughs> so he had to drop out of school. He was sort of self-educated. Uh, And then he died of a heart attack at a relatively young age. So years later, fast forward about 25 years, a family that knew him and loved him uh, came into a great deal of money. They'd been successful business people, but the the Lord just blessed them with an incredible uh, uh, resource. And this is a family that loves the Lord. They're just a sweet couple. Uh, They prefer to remain anonymous. I refer to them as Bobby and Betty Baptist, <laughs> uh, and they've done so many incredible things. I can't even go into all the things they've done for the kingdom of God. But they came to us here at Nolan Seminary, 
And they said, we think there are a lot of Steve Caskies out there, a lot of pastors and ministers in small churches that would love to get a good education and could use some help. So we'd like to help them. And so they gave us a gift to get started of one and a half million dollars. Uh, and they said, if you would, let's name this the Caskey Center after mm -hmm. Brother Steve Caskey. So they asked me to get it started. And at that time, the vision was maybe someday we could help a hundred pastors someday mm -hmm. uh, with tuition. But God just came down and blessed in incredible ways. I mean, it was exceeding abundantly beyond anything any of us could ask or think. And so it really exploded. There was a great uh, response on the part of students that wanted to apply. And um, to qualify for the scholarship, you have to be a paid staff member in a smaller membership, Southern Baptist Church. And initially it was just Louisiana. Uh, and um, so we had 144 people that qualified for the scholarship at the outset. Wow. And uh, I did an, anal an analysis of who I would recommend to get those first scholarships, thinking we might start with 30 or 40, someday 100. And the donors said, let's go ahead and start with all 144. So just from the launch, it was we were off and running. And so that was seven and a half years ago, and now we are in three states at this point, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama, and we have 275 wow. full tuition scholarships full tuition, yeah. that we provide for men and women, pastors and non-senior pastors that serve in what I call normal-sized Southern right. Baptist churches. They're smaller membership but they're significant churches because you're, you're in a significant church regardless of the size. Right. It's interesting to me in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament, none of the churches in the New Testament are identified in terms of how large they were. Mm -hmm. We don't know how big Philippi was or Ephesus or right. the seven churches in Revelation, which one was the biggest. We don't yeah. know. Yeah. We know they were healthy mm -hmm. or faithful or obedient, mm -hmm. but we don't know what the numerical size was. I, right. I just find that very fascinating. Right. And so we serve normal-sized Southern Baptist churches, mm -hmm. and um, I have a 275 ministers that I'm able to help with a full tuition, mm -hmm. uh, and we're still growing. We've started some new programs that I'd love to share with you about today yeah. that could, could help students in Arkansas. Yeah. That's basically what the Caskey yeah. Center yeah. is. And that's, that is incredible, and this family's continue to give, and I, I know it. I, I appreciate the fact that they're anonymous I don't know who they are. I'm on the board. I don't know who they are. Uh, the uh, And that they chose a pastor, like you said, who would be otherwise probably nameless to most people. Right. And uh, his legacy continues to live on. So what are these students, these these pastors and staff members, what are they, there are some requirements on their part to be a part of this. Right. They, they get this tuition, but there's some things they've got to do. Yes. Yeah. We have two main initiatives that we try to fulfill in the Caskey Center. One is to equip mm -hmm. smaller membership churches so we provide training and conferences and retreats to encourage them and equip them. Uh, we've done some on a national scale. We were, have been at the Southern Baptist Annual Meeting in Phoenix and then in Dallas where we provided uh, training for smaller membership churches of all sizes all over the nation. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we do is we encourage everyday gospel conversations. Yes. And um, so one of the requirements, if you receive this full scholarship, is... Uh, we pay for your courses in whatever field of study God's called you to. We have pastors, we have missionaries, we have chaplains, we have Christian counselors, 
that's great. Whatever God's call, we're gonna we're gonna pay for mm-hmm. your tuition. But if you receive the Caskey scholarship, you take one additional course. It's a one-hour course that you take every semester, and it's called a personal witnessing practicum. And so this class basically has two requirements. You're going to do a book report on a good, solid book on evangelism. Mm. But the main part of this class is for 12 weeks every semester, your assignment is to have at least one gospel conversation. Mm. Now, this is not a sermon that you preach or a Sunday school Mm -hmm. class that you teach. This is a conversation that you have with someone that you suspect does not know the Lord. Mm. And it's not just a spiritual conversation where you tell them that God loves them or pray right. with them. Those right. are important. But this goes a bit further into actually sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the gospel is the good news that mm-hmm. Jesus Christ came into this world, lived a sinless life, died a sacrificial death on the cross for us, mm-hmm. was raised from the dead, and wants to come and transform our life. Right. And then we call for a response. Yeah. And so every week these students are uh, required to do this, and, and we want it to be a spiritual discipline in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of spiritual disciplines that, that are healthy for us. We need to pray, even if we don't feel like praying. We need to read our Bible, even right. if we don't feel like right. it. It's a spiritual discipline. Well, evangelism sometimes is not practiced a lot, and we want it to be a spiritual discipline. Mm-hmm. So we encourage that. We actually require that. So they, so they send, And they actually report on those. They, they send a report in every week. Yeah. Uh, so by midnight Sunday night during those 12 weeks, they send me a report telling me about their gospel conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't require them to lead a certain number to faith in Christ because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, we don't require them to baptize a certain number of these folks. We hope they will. Mm-hmm. We'll just see what God does. But the Bible says if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. Mm-hmm. And it says, but if we sow bountifully, we'll reap bountifully. So we require them to sow the gospel seed every week with a report. Uh, and it's been a challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a discipline for students to make certain that they're getting that done. But it's been, uh, it's, it's really been a game changer yes. for a lot of these yeah. students. Called to ministry, but sometimes it's just not easy or uh, automatic that they share mm-hmm. the gospel. And it's been a game changer for some churches. Yeah. Uh, We've had some churches that uh, were storing all their Christmas decorations in the baptistry, mm. and they had to clean out the baptistry and fill yeah. it with water because they've got had yeah. people saved. And so it's been it's been really exciting yeah. to see the difference that it's made. Well, and, I, and I've seen some of the reports; hundreds of people have been. You know, you're having thousands of conversations, but hundreds of conversions. Right. Uh, and so, like you said, in some places where uh, they haven't had any, I, th- I think that is and and. For a lot of the folks that watch this, listen to this, are our church members, and they probably don't understand the fact that, you know, as pastors, we sometimes get so caught up in taking care of our flock and doing doing ministry that we're not out doing the thing that we really felt calling to in the beginning. Well, and this it's important. the reality of it is, and this is sad, many times uh, a church's only plan is we're going to meet again next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's wonderful. I'm glad you're going to meet next Sunday, but that's not your mandate. Right. And pastors, too often, they love their church and they want to minister to their flock, but they're so busy taking care of their flock. Sheep actually require a lot of care. Yes, they do. And uh, pastors don't get late night phone calls from lost people saying, would you please come share the gospel with me? We get other kind of phone right. calls. Right. And so that many times can just preoccupy all of our time. Yeah. Uh, and we do what the church is asking us to do, what mm-hmm. they're needing us to do. 
and if I can just be very blunt about it, sometimes pastors end up doing what they know they have to do to keep their job mm -hmm. so they won't get fired. And we should do that. Right. But let's make sure that we're getting outside the walls of the church and yes. sharing the gospel yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, and that segues to the thing. I, other thing I want to talk to you about. When you came to Woodland Heights, I want to say it was 2015, maybe 20 or 2016. It was the year that they had the solar eclipse. We did. It was, it was a solar eclipse. That, yeah. Yeah, that was when yeah, we were there. Yeah. The, uh, uh, but you shared with them something you'd been doing here. And I don't know when you started here. Maybe in, I think it predated Caskey Center was the Monday morning prayer, right. which which I still have on my desk, the uh, little handout, if you still have those, that uh, just explained what it was and, and even gave a sample prayer. But would you explain to our yeah. folks what that, what that is and what, um, yeah, just, just. Right. Well, let me frame the conversation. Yeah. The truth of the matter is, I mean, let's just be honest. We don't drift toward evangelism. Mm -hmm. We actually drift away from it. Yeah. We don't mean to. It's not a decision we make. We get busy doing all these other things. And the weakness of our flesh yeah. and the opposition of Satan, we drift from evangelism. And everybody does. I do. Right. And you don't drift back. If you do it, it's because something gets your attention and causes you to be intentional. And sometimes we do a reset. Uh, if we go to a great conference or we hear a great sermon or we go to the state evangelism conference, we sort of do a reset. Mm -hmm. The Monday morning prayer is a weekly reset. It's a weekly intentional uh, refocus to make sure that I don't drift, that I share the gospel. And so it's just, it's based on Matthew chapter nine. Right at the end of Matthew chapter nine, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he says something actually brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's actually brilliant. He says, so pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So um, I've lived in New Orleans for 15 years. I'm from Arkansas, but I've lived here in this city for 15 years. And so I've been doing a lot of research. I've been researching all the great restaurants to eat at. <laughs> uh, I, you can see the result of my research right here. The other thing I've discovered in the last 15 years here in New Orleans is uh, we've not run out of lost people. Mm -hmm. We we have a lot of lost people in New Orleans. Yeah. Now, I haven't spent a lot of time in Conway, but let me just ask you, pop, yeah. pop test, yeah. pop yeah. test, Dr. White. Yeah. Have y'all run out of lost people no, in we Conway? No, okay. we're, we're getting more. Okay. So the harvest is plentiful. Yeah. And so Jesus said, but the, there's a problem, and the problem is the workers are few. So he says, so here's what you do. You pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. So it's not just a matter of me going out there and finding somebody to talk to. You're actually asking the Lord of the harvest to arrange that. Mm -hmm. So the Monday morning prayer is, because the students have to send me a report by midnight Sunday night. So they, here's how they start their week. Lord, you're the Lord of the harvest. And there's, there's lost people out there in my path this week. Mm -hmm. And I really want to have a gospel conversation. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking you, would you put someone in my path this week? And uh, would you prepare my heart and help me to be alert and ready and sensitive and, and bold? Mm -hmm. And would you prepare their heart and open their heart to the message of the gospel? And, uh, and just prompt me by your Holy mm -hmm. Spirit who I'm to have the gospel conversation with this week. Mm -hmm. So you pray that every Monday morning. Mm -hmm. And then you leave home looking to see how's God going to answer that prayer. Mm -hmm. And uh, if he doesn't answer it sometime Monday, 
you pray it again on Tuesday morning. Yeah. Yeah. So all week long, you're alert and you're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just going to tell you, it's just incredible to see how if you're very intentional like mm-hmm. that, somewhere during the week, God's going to say, Mark, there, there he is right there. Yeah. There he is right there. And so go for it. Yeah. Now, if I'm not looking for someone, chances are I'm not going to have a gospel conversation. Right. I'll, I will miss those opportunities. Yeah. I, I just won't see them. And so it's having kingdom eyes and mm-hmm. that intentionality. And there's an accountability. Mm-hmm. I think that's also important. Uh, and so that's, that's, and that just works. Yes. I mean, it, it just yeah. really does. Yeah. It, here's, here's how it's worked out. We've been doing this now for seven and a half years uh, with our Caskey students. And uh, would you like to hear some good news? I would, sure would, yeah. As of this semester, this is as of about two weeks ago, the Caskey students that pray the Monday morning prayer and share the gospel once a week have had over 50,000 wow. gospel 50, conversations. Yeah. I'm not talking about sermons. Yeah. I'm talking about individual one conversations. Yeah, right. yeah. Would you like some more good news? Yes. Yeah. We've had over 6,000 Awesome. People awesome. repent and trust Christ as their Savior. That's twelve and a half percent. Yeah, over over how many years? Twelve over seven, seven and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Wow. that's intentionality mm-hmm. and accountability. Yeah, and um, that's and that's, so, that's, so that's two hundred and seventy students, right? Two hundred seventy-five students, yeah. right? Right. And so there's there's eight hundred nine hundred people in our church. Just imagine mm-hmm. if every Monday morning, let's just say ten percent of your church. Yeah. What if 10% of your church started praying the Monday morning prayer? Mm-hmm. How many people would that be? About 80, 90 people. Yeah. So if 80 or 90 people started praying the Monday morning prayer mm-hmm. and had 80 or 90 gospel conversations every week, mm-hmm. that would move the needle. Yes. Oh, yeah. That yeah. would absolutely yeah. move the yeah. needle. Yeah. You would have people that maybe are timid and reluctant, but really want to share mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're even walking around with a built-in guilty conscience because they're yeah. not doing it. Yeah. And and I would say we 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 show the gospel and we share the gospel. Right. Uh, we're to witness by our life and our lips. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I only witness by my life, I actually only witness to myself. Right. People right. might look at me and see my life and maybe see things admirable in my life, mm-hmm. but they're just looking at me. Yeah. And I've got to share with them the difference, why my mm-hmm. life is different. And that's where I open my mouth yeah. and, and and share the, that content of the gospel. Not just come to church, not just God loves you, but hey, let me just tell you, God loves you. Here's mm-hmm. how I know that. He sent Jesus Christ to die on that cross, pay right. for our sins, be raised from the we all, we all know the gospel. Here's the two things that, that we have to be aware of. There's two little speed bumps in a gospel conversation. They're not brick walls. They're just little thresholds or speed bumps. And we all have to be aware that they're there and be ready to navigate them. The first little speed bump is how to get into a gospel conversation, mm-hmm. how to clear that little threshold and share the gospel. And then we share the gospel. Mm-hmm. So you're looking for an opportunity, you're praying for an opportunity, looking for an opening, right. and you share the gospel. The second little speed bump is after you share the gospel, yeah. you ask for a response. Yeah. You don't just walk away. Yeah. You ask for a those, those are out there for all of us. Right. So just be aware of it. I've got a little, I got a little speed bump. It's not a brick mm-hmm. wall. Yeah. A little speed bump. Yeah. And so, Lord, help me. In fact, you give yourself a little shove mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and get into the gospel. Yeah. And then you... Go ahead and continue and just say, what is your response to that? 
And if you do that, it's just amazing to see. You know, I have on my, I have a daily prayer list. My Monday prayer, I have, I have the Monday morning prayer. And I include in there the last part of that, the boldness to ask for response. Mm -hmm. Because we can share the gospel and, and like you said, get to that wall. And well, I'm tentative. I don't want to assume that they don't, they haven't already done this. And here's, here's one of the ways I've overcome the first bump with our church members and said this. And when I did revivals, I do this better when I do revivals. And, you know, sometimes with your church members, we forget to remind them. Right. Is that I would guarantee, I still would, I would guarantee you if you pray this prayer before the end of the week, if you're if you're really looking for the for this opportunity, God's going to put it in your path. Right. I don't care if you live in Timbuktu or in downtown New Orleans, you're going to have that opportunity. Absolutely. If you pray Now, if you don't pray, or if you're not looking, then you're not going to see that. But I would also say to them sometimes, okay, if you're looking for a way to start the conversation, just tell them, hey, our pastor, our pastors ask us to do this project. Would you mind if I if I practiced on you? Blame it on you, That's right? right. And, and I can say, hey, listen, this professor at the seminary has got this project right. he's doing. I mean, whoever you want to blame it on. Right. And and our my job as a pastor, though, too, and our staff is to help us, help our church to have some tools that they can use. But you said, what you said Every Christian, if they're truly a Christian, knows the gospel. Yeah. Or they wouldn't have been. They, they know how they came to know Christ. We do. And right. so we can help them with tools, but you already know. And and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just challenged again by hearing you say that. I appreciate it. Whatever you do the next 20 years, keep on doing that. Well, it's just, it's it's actually really fun when yeah. you pray that prayer to see how God uses it. Can I give you a quick example? Yeah. We uh we were doing a conference, Caskey Center. We went to uh, Montana back in mm -hmm. the spring and did two conferences for pastors there. So I'm at the airport here in New Orleans with my team waiting to board a plane. We were going to fly to Dallas and connect and then fly to Montana. And the, the gate area was crowded and we're waiting for our plane to come in. And a lady comes rushing up. She wasn't with our group. And she comes rushing up and uh, she's sort of frantic and manic. And she looks at me and she asks me, uh, I won't quote her exactly, but she says, where the H is our airplane? Except she didn't say H, mm -hmm. she said the word. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, uh, well, it's it's not here yet. It's coming in. It, it, when they get off the plane, you know, we'll board. And she said, okay. She said, are you going to Dallas? I said, well, yes, I am. I said, actually, I'm. She said, she said what the H are you going to be doing in Dallas? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I'm not going to Dallas, I'm going to connect in Dallas, and I'm going to go to Montana. And then she said the third time, and I'm going to quote her here, she said, well, what the hell are you going to be doing in Montana? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, actually, I'm going to Montana for something directly related to hell. Yeah. And I just looked away. <laughs> and she said, well, what is it? <laughs> and I told her. Yeah. You know, yeah. But the, if I had not been looking for that yeah, opportunity, yeah. that could have been offensive yeah. to me. Yeah, I could oh, have yeah. turned away. Yeah. yeah, but that was my opening right. to share, and yeah. I got to go through the yeah. entire gospel yeah. with her. And you could just see her soften mm -hmm. as I did that. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. But that was because I was looking for the opportunity. Right. And and haven't you found even in that situation, people that maybe totally strangers and even people you knew. They've been much more open than you probably thought they would be right. once you started sharing. Right. This we drove by. Carla and I were driving by. She's actually our tech person today. Drove by a house in Benton that uh, I still remember this because the guy we were going door to door doing evangelism, and he was offended. He, he slammed the door. He said, "Don't ever come by this house and don't pray for me." 
Well, you know what we did. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, yeah. we prayed. I prayed for him the other day, 20 years later after I passed by his house. We prayed for him every time. But that was one out of hundreds of times. Right. And usually people are open. And and I think that's a tool Satan uses that people are not going to be receptive. I've been doing this for 48 years. I've been in ministry. Yeah. But one of the lies, there's two lies that Satan convinces Christians of. The first one is you witness only by your life. Yeah. That's a very subtle lie. It's part of it's true. We do witness by our life. But when he convinces me that I witness only by my life, he silences me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so I don't witness only by my life or I witness only of myself. That's a subtle lie that we've got to expose. Mm -hmm. The other is people do not want to hear the gospel and they're not interested. Let me remind you of what we said a minute ago. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Yeah. Now, you either believe what Jesus says or you don't right. believe what Jesus right. said. But I will also say, same as you, Larry, by my own experience, I've been doing this for 48 years. I have had, I'm going to say three, maybe four, really awkward, um, mm -hmm. offensive responses to the gospel. And whenever I say that, people say, well, tell me what those three were. No, <laughs> it's three out of thousands yeah. and thousands yeah. and thousands. It's sort of like, you know, I've had a few bad meals mm -hmm. at some restaurants mm -hmm. over the years, but it's not going to stop me from going out to eat. Not, a, not just a few. And yeah. so Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't share the gospel, it's going to be rare for somebody to come up and ask you to do it. But if you right. do share the gospel, uh, people are, are there's there's what I call low-hanging fruit out there. Mm -hmm. my, I, my wife and I led a lady to the Lord about a week ago named Lisa. She'd attended the church where I'm serving as an interim pastor, and she told me she wanted to move her membership. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's sit down and talk about it. So mm -hmm. before we talked about her moving her Baptist letter, we talked about what it meant for her to really know Jesus Christ. Yeah. And she was low-hanging fruit. Yeah, she knew yeah. that's what she needed. She wrote the sweetest note to me and my wife. It's one of those keepers that yeah, I hang on to, yeah. saying, I've received Jesus as my Savior. I'm so thankful that I've gotten saved. She's going to be baptized a week from Sunday. Awesome. But it was because I, I, I wasn't going to just settle for church membership. Let's talk about what it means to have that relationship. And she was she was so ready. Yeah. Um, but it's intentionality. Uh, it's looking for that opportunity. I was teaching a class in, in Atlanta several years ago, and uh, I was staying at a hotel, and I went into the little the coffee shop to get my breakfast. And... Um, there was a lady in there eating her breakfast uh, and uh, a lady working there. So I sat down to eat. When I finished eating, I looked over and the other customer had finished eating her breakfast and she sort of pushed her food away and she was reading her Bible. Mm -hmm. Well, you don't see that a lot. So I yeah. struck up a conversation with her. and We were sort of sharing the Lord together. And the lady that worked there came over and I noticed she was, she was pretending to be working, but she was listening to us mm -hmm. as we were talking about the Lord. And so I turned to her and um, I turned from my friend and I turned to this lady and I said, excuse me, what is your name? And she said, Lovey. My name is Lovey. I said, what a sweet name. Love. Did you, where did you get that name? That sounds like a name a daddy would give his little girl. She said, that's where I got the name Lovey. My daddy named me Lovey. So I turned to her and I said, well, Lovey, could I ask you a question? And when I said that, this other lady who was sitting there and I almost didn't hear it. But she sort of said under her breath, she said, come on, 
<laughs> she was a sweet African-American yeah. lady. Yeah. And she said, come on. And it's like, I'm coming, you know. <laughs> and so I shared the gospel with Lovey. Lovey was already a Christian, mm -hmm. but she'd been through some really difficult mm -hmm. things. And this lady and I prayed with her. I'm going back to my hotel room, and I'm chuckling to myself that that lady said, come on to mm -hmm. me. And I'm thinking, I don't think I've ever had that happen before. Yeah. And the Lord said, actually, I say it to you all the time, mm -hmm. but you usually Don't ignore me. Yeah. Yeah, and I felt so convicted. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's being alert, being mm -hmm. ready. And when the Lord says, okay, Mark, you prayed yeah. for an opportunity. I'm, I'm giving you this person. Mm -hmm. Come on, mm -hmm. share the gospel. Yeah. Well, it, it is, and we're going to switch to one other thing here in a moment. We could we could talk all day, yeah. and I, lo I love talking about this, but just as how it gets us excited about it is that once another believer has an experience of helping somebody in the birthing room to come to Christ, there's there's no, I mean, once you have that experience, you want to do that again. You, you want to see that happen, and so uh, I appreciate you focusing on that. Let's take a minute to the future okay uh, these are these are crazy these have been a crazy yeah. two years with covid and all things going on so looking in 2022 i'm gonna i just want you to if you can narrow it to one or maybe two things what are some of the biggest challenges you see because you've been at this a long time you've been interim pastor in 11 churches now right. mm -hmm. uh so you're in a lot of different churches you've been here at the, on the campus for a long time we deal with students and right. see, seeing things what are, what are some of the biggest challenges for the church Next, yeah. next year. This this is just a hard season. It's yeah. it's a really hard season. Uh, we go through different seasons in life. We go through great ones, and you enjoy them, and you go through hard ones. Mm -hmm. I, I think the thing I would want to encourage your church with, as every church is, this is a season that we're in right now. Yeah, uh, it's not going to identify your, your long term experience as a church. It's it's a difficult season. Uh, hard times are not necessarily bad times. Right. Hard times can actually be good mm -hmm. if we learn the lesson that God has for us. Uh, and I would say uh, what, what we need to think about as, as we're in this season is to don't don't lose your focus. Yeah. yeah. We can so easily lose our focus. We can get so discouraged. We can be driven by emotion. But to remember your focus, mm -hmm. uh, why God has us here, uh, and then to just cultivate faithfulness. Yeah. Uh, again, we we want to grow again. We want those seats to be filled. We right. want everybody right. to come back. And and I pray that we do see that mm -hmm. uh, traction regained, yeah. Yeah. a rhythm regained. But you can't control those things. Right. You can't control those outcomes. What you've got to focus on is what is what I can do. Mm -hmm. And so I think the thing that we need to do as leaders, I need to do as a professor, maybe you need to do as a pastor, is to help the, sh the church remember what our focus is, uh, and that is making disciples. Right. Making disciples. That, of course, is the Great Commission. Right. Right. And making disciples begins with people becoming believers and then maturing them. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, a, it's evangelism. It's, it's not just discipleship. Making disciples begins with sharing the gospel, seeing people come to faith in Christ. And I'm going to tell you, when Lisa gets baptized a week from Sunday in my church, people are going to be excited. Sure. I mean, yeah. it does, that energizes a church. Right. When the church hasn't baptized anybody in a while. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a palpable excitement yes, in the Sunday. They're going to be throwing babies yeah. in the air. I mean, it's going to be a big deal. It should be. And, and it should be. Yeah. Uh, and so 
that energizes me. Mm-hmm. It energizes a church, that, that new blood, that new life mm-hmm. coming into the church, and then growing and maturing and making sure that we're producing disciples. So just focusing on the Great Commission. We have one mission, and that's the Great Commission. Yeah. Uh, and then remaining faithful. Yeah. Once again, uh, I would say um, we don't know how big any of those churches in, this, in the recorded in the New Testament are. Right. Now numbers have their place. There's sure. one yeah. whole book of the Bible called Numbers, right. and right. we we know how many people were right. saved on the day of Pentecost. Right. So I'm not dis- discounting that, but but God's looking for faithfulness. Yes, we yeah. all know, and what we're hoping God will say to us someday is, "Well done, they all good and." Faithful, faithful sermon. Yeah. So keep your focus. Yeah. Remain faithful and see what God does. Amen. Amen. Well, that's a good word. And I appreciate I appreciate your time. We're here. We're here for a board of trustees meeting, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a day in the future to pray for New Orleans Seminary. Thank uh, you. Mary. That is so important. Uh, every time I'm here, I'm excited what's happening on the campus. Well, I remember my time at Woodland Heights. What a sweet, refreshing yeah. time that was yeah. for me. And. Yeah. Uh, the great work you're doing there. They love you. I'm it's even better you. now, Mark. You get to come back. When you get, in fact, I want you to come back when you're back in Arkansas and, right. and uh, visit with us. And, and We'd love to do that. Through. It would be awesome. Well, we're going to commit to pray for you and for joy and days ahead. And I do ask our people to pray for New Orleans Seminary. Uh, some wonderful things are happening here and some exciting days. Ida came and hit, and it hit hard in this area. Uh, just as Carl and I have seen, We've seen a lot just in, in a day that we didn't know how, how tough it had been. Do we have time for me to share sure, one last one? Yeah. We have a new scholarship. Okay, great. It's called our Pathfinder Scholarship. Okay. I don't even know if I told you about it. I don't know about it. No. The Pathfinder Scholarship is brand new, and it's for people at a distance that yeah. are feeling called to seminary. Uh, and to get my regular scholarship, you have to have a paid staff position. Okay. Pathfinder is for people that don't have one. So we have students that are coming at a distance here. I have 20 of these. Okay. So if you know of uh, people back in Arkansas that feel called to ministry and would love to get prepared and have a good education, we can provide a Pathfinder scholarship for them that will pay their full tuition for one year. And okay. we even provide a ministry position for them in the immediate New Orleans area where we will give them a ministry wow. stipend for that one year. Wow. That gets them planted here. They get some traction here. Then after that year, they can they can morph into the regular Caskey Scholarship. Okay. So we've got twenty of those. I was in Arkansas last week. I was at Washita Baptist. Yeah. Talking to the new dean there. Yeah. I've talked to the dean at Williams Baptist. So we would love to have some Arkansas students awesome. actually move here to so the main campus. So now is that MDiv level or it's, it's, it's level? MDiv level. MDiv level. It's got to be master's level. Master's level. Uh, studying on the main campus. Okay. It's a ten thousand dollars scholarship. Okay. $7,000 to pay your first year tuition, $3,000, a month as a ministry stipend. Mm-hmm. And it's a pathway. It's a yeah. pathway to seminary. And for yeah. some, wow. it's a pathway into that first ministry experience right. to get right. them going. Right. So uh, we're going to be promoting that. Yeah. I'll be at the state convention be awesome. in two weeks. Yeah. And we'd love to uh, offer the Pathfinders to some Arkansas. That'd be awesome. I'd, I'd like all of them to go to Arkansas. Amen. So <laughs> that'd be my preference. That's great. Well, thank you again, Mark. I appreciate your time and and uh, look forward to sharing this with other folks. Thanks, Thanks again. Thanks.